So we're looking today at freedom in Christ. We're actually looking at renewing the mind or reprogramming the mind. Our minds are brilliant computers. And, ooh, a title came up. Our minds are actually brilliant computers and they take in information just as a computer would. It takes in information from the world around about us, from our thoughts, from the experiences that we've had, and our mind inputs all of this. I was thinking about, you get up in the morning and what do we do? We've got a gritty feeling in our mouth. We don't have to think, oh, how do I deal with the gritty feeling? We go and we clean our teeth. It's, it's an automatic thing because we have learned what to do. And the same with driving. Everyone has told a story or heard a story about someone who's driven from point A to point B and they say, I don't know how I did that. I don't know how I got there because they've been off in some other planet where they shouldn't ought to have been, but their brain carried on. Their eyes could continue to see, the brain knew the road rules, and obviously they arrived safely. It's an automatic mode. And the brain does a lot of that. I was actually watching a movie, I can't remember the title, but it was about this gentleman who was trying to solve a mystery. And in the movie, what happened every morning, and some people will identify with this more than others, he'd wake up in the morning and his mind would totally erased from what he'd worked on the mystery beforehand. And so he didn't know anything like who he was, what he was doing, and he worked out these strategies. He had a tape recorder and said, start here. So obviously he hadn't forgotten everything. He could still read. Start here and he'd press the button. And then blah, 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 this is what happened yesterday. And he solved the mystery by this process. And I thought, we rely so much on the programming that goes into this brain, so much more than we realise. And there's so many automatic things that happen. Like, for example, one of the things, which can be an asset or can be an absolute not asset, um, is the fact that emotional memories are stored in the brain. And if you've had a beautiful Christian family, a loving upbringing, emotional memories are stored, you've got love and security... Folks, some folks have that. I think, what a blessing. But not everyone has that. Some of us, the emotional memories that were stored and that trigger are things that were very, very, very traumatic. And you get this automatic triggering. And that triggering can happen before conscious thought can even take place. There's an instinct. And you hear stories about people who uh, they've rescued someone or they've done some heroic thing. And, and they say, oh, I didn't think about it. I just did it. And that's because this brain of ours, it's, we, we are wired to function. And the brain is an absolutely brilliant tool. And so folks can act before they even think. You walk down the street and there's a lion on the street. You don't have to think, I should evade the lion. You take action to evade it before your brain even starts to think. And God has put that into us. And that program is actually, it's, it's an absolutely brilliant thing. And... There's a scripture that says, this is J.B. Phillips, the paraphrase, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within. And before we come to Christ, for many of us, there's this, we've been squeezed into a mold. The world around about us taught us how to think. It taught us how to think about ourselves. And so there's this programming that's taken place. And this happens before we come to Christ. Now, when we come to Christ, what happens to us? The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ. So we're born again by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, and I like to call him the great overcomer, he comes to live in us. 
So the one who has overcome the world comes to live in us. But what happens to this programming? Does God just come in and just zappo, zip, just delete, 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 and wipe it out, wipe it clean? I mean, if God did that, actually, none of us would know who we were. And the thing is, God actually loves us. He, he is interested in our uniqueness. Every one of us has been somewhere, we've done something, our lives have been formed, and God loves the things about us that are unique and that are different. So God doesn't want a bunch of robots, you know, just delete the brain, zip, that's it. And he's, he's these regimented little people. God actually does something that's far more challenging and far more exciting. What happens when we're born again is the great overcomer, he comes to live in us. But what happens is the Bible says that God begins to reprogram our minds from within and we get to work together with him. So there's this relational thing of reprogramming, learning to think God's way. And it is the most powerful thing. It is absolutely really an amazing thing that happens. It's critical. The King James Version, it actually says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in other words, the renewing of your mind is going to bring transformation. And that word is metamorpho in the Greek. And it talks about radical change, deep change, this deep change in a, in a, in a personality, in, a, in, a, in character. And it's an amazing thing. And God says that that is what he is going to do. I'm going to share just a little tipsy bit of my story there. I couldn't resist it with a message like this. I actually grew up in a world of a lot of really scary monsters. It was, there was a very high degree of emotional abuse. My mother had been badly abused as a child, never dealt with it. And so we just lived in this environment. It was terror. It was terror 24-7. There was like the threat of murder, there was murder attempts, there was ongoing violence, ongoing abuse. I can actually remember, this is not a nice story, but when I was growing up, I was trying to work out what is my value? Where do I fit in the scheme of things? You know, young people think about these things and I was actually thinking, where do I fit? And I kind of worked out, I thought, I'm not a person because I'm like, I felt like an empty shell. So I thought, I'm not a person. So I don't fit in the people category. Uh, I looked at the family dog and I thought, no, that dog is treated really well and I'm treated really badly. So I thought, I'm not equal to the family dog. And then one day in our family home, the dog vomited on the floor. And I watched my parents react to that. Oh, disgusting. Sweep it out of sight. And I thought, that is exactly the way my parents see me. As something disgusting to be swept away out of sight. And I, I used to look at people. The school I went to, there were boys and girls there. Some of them came from Christian homes. Some of them came from homes where they thought, you could see the confidence that oozed, you know, that came from security, they came from love. And I used to think, if only I could have had that. If only I could have had that, I could fulfill my potential. And these people can fulfill their potential and I cannot because I didn't have what they had. And I, I, that really disturbed me. And then I came to Christ when I left home. I actually escaped from my home by devious means. Well, not quite, but I came to Christ. And what happened when I came to Christ? I knew, I knew God revealed two things about himself to me. He revealed that he was good 
And he revealed that he was my friend. If, you, if God had spoken to me about love, I wouldn't have known, what do you do with that? Where do you go with that? I didn't know what love was. But friend, I could understand friend. And then I still was very traumatized. I was highly traumatized, you know, like trigger, trigger, t- trauma. And I was thinking, I want, to be, I want to be a whole person. And what can I do? You know, what can I do with this? Where do I go with it? I actually went to see a psychiatrist and I told him a tippy little bit of my story. And he said, actually, God was really good to me. This guy was honest. And he said, look, he said, I have not encountered emotional abuse to this extent. He said, I haven't dealt with it. He said, all I can do, I can experiment. I can give you things to try and we can see if it works for you. And I was straight, I was on thin ice, you know. And I thought, okay, this guy wants to experiment with my brain. I'm barely holding myself together. And then, you know, sometimes God gives you wisdom. And like God came in and I thought to myself, just a minute, God created the world. God knows exactly what my past was. In fact, God, in a sense, I I, I thought God put me there. He could have given me a loving home, but he put me there. He can fix it. And so I didn't know back then, I didn't know back then what it would take what it would take to fix it. And I didn't know that what had happened when I got born again is that the great overcomer had come to live inside of me and that he was going to teach me. One of the key things was that he was going to teach me how to think. He was going to teach me how to think as a, as a Christian. He was going to teach me to think about how to think about the kingdom of God. He was going to teach me how to think correctly about my past. And in a way... Um, we, we all face our own demons. I started to realize this. And I thought, we face, we face the things in our past. We face, we deal with, we face, we face our own demons. And I started to realize this. And I was really angry about that. I thought to myself, there are lots of people who had a nice childhood. And what demons do they get to face? I thought, they get to face really easy demons. Now, Krista, I loved your story today, Krista, because Krista probably had one of those nice childhoods, but God loves Krista just as much as he loves me. And guess what God gave Krista this week? He gave her an opportunity to struggle with the issue of thinking as he thinks. He put her in a situation that stretched her because God loves Krista. And he, what he's doing is he's making us overcomers. So... And that's what, that's what God does for all of us. He, he begins to move inside of us and to show us what it is. As, and I look back at my life now, you know, and I was scared out of my brains. And sometimes I thought about preaching the day and I thought, you guys are so scary. You know, I couldn't possibly do that. But then I thought, well, you know, am I going to trust the overcomer? You know, am I going to trust him? After all the work he's done in me, am I going to say no? I thought, no, I can't say no. Because we, we face things. I actually had an incident with Liz. Liz knows nothing about this. I uh, hope I can tell it well. When you talk to Liz, one of the things Liz actually talks about, if you talk to Liz for long, you'll hear her make the statement, without Christ, without Jesus, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. And I've heard Liz make that statement. And when she said it, it's like this knife has twisted inside of me. And I I couldn't quite work out, what's the dynamic going on here? Why is this happening with me? And I thought, (laughs) you know, a good way to deal with something is to blame the other person, you know, sweep it off, and then that way is not my problem. So I thought, oh, I know, I know. Let's 
I bet you Liz is misquoting scripture. You know, apart from him, we can do nothing. She's not on scriptural grounds, is she? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So I checked it out, and unfortunately, John 15 verse 5 says exactly that, which I must admit was a bit of a blow. So I thought, well, I, I can't shoot Liz down on the ground. She's unscriptural, but there's got to be another way. And I thought, I know, I know, I know what it is. She's just mouthing off. You know, she's, talk, she's talking the talk, and she's not walking the walk. That's what it's got to be. I thought about that, and I thought about Liz, and I thought, She's one of the most honest people I've ever met. And if anyone's walking the walk, Liz is walking the walk. So I thought, okay, I don't know where to go with that. And I actually didn't know where to go with this thing, this knife twisting inside me. So I've got this big box, and it's called Life is Full of Mysteries. So I popped it in the box. I thought, I don't know what to do with that. But a couple of weeks ago, when Liz was preaching, I figured out what was happening. And I thought, this is interesting because... We actually all face our own demons. We all have things that God wants to teach us how to think as he thinks. And I realized what the dynamic was that was happening. See, Liz shared in her story, Liz was brought up in an environment where what the world around her was teaching her was, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, be strong, be independent. I thought, now, isn't that interesting? I I imagine that actually would be quite a burden to carry the thought that you have to do it yourself. But that's, that's what Liz was taught. And so what was it when God taught Liz to think correctly in the way that he thinks, what did God teach Liz? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So he's brought this down to a level plane. But you see, I was never a mountain dweller. I was a bottom dweller, like the bottom of the valley. I was way down there. And what did I hear growing up? You can do nothing. You can't do it. You can't do it. You've got no value. You've got no worth. So I'm down here. So when I hear you can do nothing, it doesn't do a great deal for me because I learned that. But I'll tell you what I didn't learn growing up. Philippians 4.13, which may be on here. You never know. Oh, well, that's amazing. Okay, every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill brought low. What I learned growing up, well, what I learned growing up was not what God wanted me to think about myself. God wanted me to learn that I can do all things that God gives me to do. And how can I do them? Through God who strengthens me. And so you see, God takes what's in the valley and brings it up to a level place. He takes what is in the mountain and he brings it down to a level place. And Liz and I, ex-mountain dweller and ex-valley dweller, we walk together on a level place because God, what is God doing? He's actually doing exactly the same thing for both of us and for all of us. God is teaching us how to think as Christians. And as we learn how to think as Christians, what happens? The bondages from the past break because my past used to hold me. I was a captive. I was a slave to it, the Bible says. And that is true. I was a slave to terror. But what God does is he sets you free. And this whole thing about learning to think as God thinks is really key in this situation about. So there's, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within. So we're back to this, that what God is doing, the great overcomer, he has come to live in us. He is teaching us how to think and we work together with him. The initiative is with God. God 
renews our minds, reprograms the computer, remolds our mind, and we work together with him. So in a way, the initiative in the process is not with us. There is a, um, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's, that to me is something that challenges me because I have trouble believing that at times. But this is a scripture, because I, I got raised up in an environment that was very fearful, fear was a great part of my life. And I like this scripture because it reminds me of what I ought to fear as a Christian. The Bible says, he who overcomes, I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Now that to me is something worth being scared of. I think about that and I think, The great overcomer, he comes to live in me and he leaves me, he leaves each one of us with the power to choose. So what will I choose? Will I choose to like live in the past and believe the past or will I choose to, you know, respond to God and to walk with God and to learn how to think? And it's a process in this. It doesn't happen overnight. And I think that that reminds me that I could actually choose to be a coward. And, and refuse the salvation, the amazing salvation that God's got. So that reminds me, when the demons from my past come swirling around, as they do from time to time, I remind myself of what I ought to fear. And it certainly is not the demons from my past, which God has beaten. I was thinking about David. I love the story about David and Goliath. And I, I like to think about why things happen. And I think, why was it that David could walk into this situation with Goliath and beat him? There were all these Israelites, and they were looking up at Goliath. He's this great big menacing critter. And all the Israelites are saying, oh, he's so big. We're so little, we're beaten. And David came onto the scene. Did David think like that? No, he didn't. Why did David think differently? I think, well... David had spent many years, he spent, well, not many years, he was actually a very young man, but he'd spent years out minding the sheep for his father and he spent time, you read the Psalms, what did David do? He spent time worshipping God, he spent time listening to God, he spent time finding out how does God think, what makes God tick. One day a bear came to um, threaten the flock and David learnt something. He, he took the bear and he said, later on, he said, I learned that in God I could take the bear to threaten the flock. And then one day a lion came. And what did David learn? He learned something. His mind's being programmed. He's being programmed to think. What did he learn? He learned that through God he could take down the lion that threatened the flock. So David walks into this situation with Goliath. And what you've got is a man who's been prepared because he spent time with God on the little things. He spent time with God day by day. God's building into his life. God's building this relationship. And so he comes in a situation with Goliath. He could have said, oh, Goliath's so big and I'm so small. But he didn't. He said, how does God see this? And he said, Goliath is not threatening the armies of Israel. Goliath is defying the God of the armies of Israel. And he said, and God will take him down. Goliath, um, David knew what the issue was. He knew what the issue was because he thought in that situation as God thinks. And there's process in that. And the Bible says um, David took five stones. He took Goliath down with the first one. He took his head off with um, Goliath's own sword. And they won a victory. They won a victory because the shepherd boy had spent time with God and learned to think. He'd learned 
to have this brain programmed, how does God think? How does God think? How does God think? And there's process in this. I actually love the story of Gideon because it talks about that process. I like the story of Gideon. Gideon was hiding in a wine press. Gideon had a problem with fear. Give you three guesses why I like the story of Gideon. So God comes in and he says to Gideon, Hail, mighty warrior, mighty man of God, mighty warrior. And I laugh at that. But I think, what was God doing? God looked at Gideon. He didn't see a man who, who had himself hiding in the wine press. He was calling forth what he could see in Gideon. Yeah, he was calling it forth. And he was, he saw that in Gideon. Gideon's hiding in the wine press and God saw him. And God looks at you and he looks at me and God sees the end product. God sees that we're in a process and he sees he's making us. He, he, he sees what we are and he loves us and he delights in us and he takes pleasure with us. And I think, isn't that amazing? So here's Gideon. Anyway, God, Gideon had a fairly open conversation with God and he says, look, he says, God says, I'm going to send you to beat the Midianites, Gideon. And, and Midian say, uh, Gideon says, oh, look, I'm from the least tribe of Israel and I'm the least in my family. And God says to him, I'm sending you and I will be with you. And I guess Gideon starts to have a choice now. What's he going to believe? Is he going to believe the way he saw himself or is he going to believe what God is saying? It's a choice there, a choice. What will I believe? What will I believe? And God was very, very patient with Gideon. He kind of gave him time. He said to him, look, Gideon, I want you to go and tear down the altar to Baal. And um, the Bible says God did what, Gideon did what God told him to do, but he did it at night because he was scared. I thought, but God was happy with that. You know, he was scared. He did it at night, but he did it. So Gideon, you can see he's starting this walk where God's teaching him, teaching him how to think, teaching him to think about who is, has got the power, who's got the control. It's God. And the story goes on. Um, God, Gideon actually summons the fighting troops, 32,000 of them, and God takes one look at 32,000 troops and he says, look, Gideon, if I send you out with 32,000 troops, what are the Israelites going to think when, when you win the battle? They're going to think that they won it with 32,000 troops. So God got rid of everything except 300 men, 300 men. And I think it's interesting because about, around, about, around about this time, Gideon's starting to say to God, look, if you're really going to go with me, I, I need to know. You know, I just need to know. I need more than I've got from you now. And so you know the story of the fleece. Gideon says to God, can I put this fleece out? You know, I want it to be wet in the morning and the ground dry. And God does it. God is patient. None of this happens overnight. I've walked a long walk with God, and I can tell you nothing happens overnight. God is so patient with us. Yeah. And then Gideon gets up and he says, yeah, God did that. He says, oh, I'm not convinced. He says, could you just reverse it? Just flip it over the other way, dry fleece, wet ground. So God God does it again. God is patient. In fact, God's got a sense of humor because he says to Gideon, when he's reduced it down to 300 men, he says to Gideon, you could go to war now. He says, you know, but he says, if you want a bit of encouragement, he says, do I want encouragement? You bet. And he says, just sit on down to the Midianite camp and just have a little listen in. And so Gideon goes for the encouragement and here's this amazing story about a dream and the Midianites are already starting to be scared because God is causing the Midianites to be scared of him and of Gideon. And 
then you heard, you know, the story about 300 men in Gideon, and they go down with trumpets. They've got these earthenware jugs, and they put torches inside, and they get down to the Midianite camp. They're, they're asleep, you see, apart from a few guards. They smash the earthenware things, so they've got these torches, and they're blowing trumpets. The Midianites wake up, and there's fear and confusion, and so they're on the run. The Israelites win the battle. And it goes on to say in Judges 8, actually, they were exhausted, but they kept pursuing. Oh, isn't that powerful words? Gideon didn't back off. He didn't back off. He had something inside of him that says, this is a challenge, but we're going to keep on going. We're going to keep on going. And exhausted yet pursuing. And they won a victory. And Israel actually had peace for 40 years under this man who started off hiding in a wine press. And God said to him, hail Gideon, mighty warrior. I thought, God is amazing. You know, he starts, it, he starts with us where we're at. And he's patient with us in the process. Amazingly patient. I want to show you a video, which a little clip, very short. It's actually time lapse. And it's about a, it's about a um, chrysalis. Yep. Okay, a monarch butterfly emerging. This actually took a much longer time to happen than what we see here. And you look at that, there appears to be nothing happening. But inside of that chrysalis, there's a butterfly that's waiting to emerge. God put into that butterfly the instinct to do that. And what it's doing, it's beginning to... Well, stretching the wings. There's a couple of strings that actually hold it to the chrysalis and they have to be broken. And this struggle, this effort the butterfly is putting in is a really important part of the process because if the butterfly... People have tried actually cutting the chrysalis so that the butterfly... To help the butterfly escape quicker and the butterfly doesn't live. They've tried cutting the strings so the butterfly doesn't have to pull against the chrysalis and the butterfly doesn't live. This process, this struggle, is a really important part of the butterfly becoming able to fly. And we sang this morning about God gives us eagle's wings to rise up on eagle's wings. And the same process and struggle that you see here, and that butterfly flew effortlessly. Thank you. That butterfly just, it, it appears effort, effortless, but... There's been struggle and effort goes on and we don't, for us to move on with God, for us to grow in God, effort is involved. If that butterfly had just sat there inside that chrysalis and said, God made me to be a butterfly, ho-hum, we're waiting for God to do it and I won't work with God because he made me to be this, that butterfly would be dead. But God actually, there's this thing about relationship, I can't get away from it, about relationship Each one of us is uniquely important to God. God loves us. He loves us and he wants to work with us. He wants us to work with him. It's all about relationship with God. It's about the uniqueness of personality. It's about the love that God has for us. And because of that, it's his working together. It's all part of the process. I was listening, sorry, (laughs) slow down. I was listening to Krista's story and thinking, look what God puts us through so we can learn, so we can grow. It's, It's the maturing of of our faith. It's learning how to think as God thinks. And there's a big association between thinking as God thinks and overcoming. When I first came to Christ, if you had said to me what is real, I would not have told you because I was very closed in those days. 
but I was totally convinced in my own mind that what was real was the trauma and the fear that I'd been through. It was lodged in my brain. It was lodged in my heart. It was written on the tissues of my body. And I thought, that's real. And if anyone had said, that's not real, I think, well, you've not walked where I've walked. What do you know? And I guess there's arrogance in that. But now if you said to me, what is real? I've walked with the Lord for years. What is real? What is real is we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. What is real is that the great overcomer lives inside of each one of us. What is real? You know something? At some point in time, this old grey matter, which probably still bears a few scars from my youth, but this old grey matter, it's either going to rot in the ground or get burned somewhere. This, I'm getting a new body and it's going to have a new brain. What is real is what you and I have in God. And God is able to bring us through. God is able, he works in our lives, he delights to work with us. And that is what it's all about, that you and I work together with God to do this work. And to me, that is just so beautiful, that we work together with God. And God makes us overcomers. It's not just words, he actually makes us. The great overcomer works in our lives, teaches us how to think, and makes us overcomers. I love that. I love that. So, how can we work with God to renew our minds? Just quite quickly in closing, the first one is that we are God's family. And that is, first of all, about relationship between us and God. God's our Father. We're his sons and daughters. And look, he delights in us. He sings over us. He takes pleasure in the things that make makes us unique he's mighty to save us there's nothing from our past that God has not overcome there's nothing from our past that God can't help us to work through and see the world around us today it's still I'm just talking about the past today but every day the world around us wants to squeeze us into its mold and in that we have to learn to think like God thinks and resist that pressure from the world and it's not just God and us, it's also, this is our family. And there's a lot of wisdom in this. Actually, this is the first time I've been committed to churches, but the first time I've really felt family has been here. And we are brothers and sisters together. You know, we we share a load. There's a lot of wisdom in a place like this. And I, I think a good thing to do is to check your perceptions. You know, if you're starting to think something, is this godly? Is this my past talking? Or is this God talking? And get along someone who's walked the walk for a bit. You know, make friends with them. Listen to them. Talk to them. Tell them things. Because we share the load together. Because we're family. That's what we are. We're family. We're God's family. And we're family with one another. And the second way we overcome, we, we work with God to reprogram our brain, is the Word of God. The Word of God is such a powerful tool. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, it's talking about it's a sword. It actually divides the thoughts and the intents of our heart. It's a sword that we can use against the enemy. It's a mirror that we can look in that mirror and see how does God see me? What, you know, how does God see me? It's a beautiful tool. The next one, for someone who's come from the sort of background I've come from, this is a really big issue, trust. Trust is a choice. What am I going to trust in? Am I going to look at my past and say, oh, I'm going to trust that? He who trusts in himself is a fool. So if I look back at what the world did to me before I came to Christ and said, I'm going to trust in that, I'd be missing out on the life that God wants me to have. But if we walk in wisdom, if we walk with Jesus, 
we're kept safe. And God brings us through a process where I look back at my past now and honestly, I guess there are times I just laugh at it because it doesn't touch me. There's still times when things swirl around and still times when, like the situation with Liz, I was actually hearing an echo of my past. But it's not the significant thing. God is a significant thing and walking with him is significant. We need to persevere. You watched that butterfly. The butterfly had to go through the effort. We need, you need to persevere so when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And that need for perseverance, it's part of our life. What say Christa had given up halfway through the week and said, no, it's too hard. She kept on choosing to trust God even when the pressure was there and she was feeling the feelings, feeling, you know, she's feeling the feelings, but what did she do? She kept on putting her trust in God, asking God to help her, and she came here today with a testimony because she held in there, which is beautiful. Next thing we have to do is deal with it or shift your focus. Sometimes in relation to our past or worldly things, there's something we have to deal with. Like Mark talked about unforgiveness. Mark and Liz are going to be speaking over the next couple of weeks about some of the things we may have to deal with, I imagine. But sometimes you just have to shift your focus. If the world is calling to you too loudly, if the pressure of the world is too much there, what does it say in Philippians? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that's a really good guideline to think on the things of God. And the last one, God calls us to be overcomers. And not only that, the great overcomer lives in us. His life is in us. That, that's a fact. We are in him. The Bible says we're actually seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's, that's a now thing. The life of God is so real in us. So don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within. God is the one who reprograms us so that we can think the way he thinks. And there's great, there's great freedom in that, great victory in that. And God does that. We could work together with him, but the initiative is with God, and he carries, he carries the load of it. Okay, Father, we just thank you for the day. We thank you for the amazing salvation that you have given to us. We thank you, Lord, that we are family, that we can walk together with you and with one another and share each other's load. Father, we thank you for the challenge of learning to think the way you think. We thank you for the tools you have given to us. And Father, we pray that this week you will help us to find out what you're thinking and to think as you think, that you'll help us with the learning process that's involved in that. And we thank you, Father God, that you're patient with us and you love us, Lord, that you don't look at us in our struggles and think less of us, but you're right alongside us, Lord, that you're there with us to support us and love us and, Lord, that we can do all things you give us to do through your life, through you, Lord, and you strengthen us. Amen.